0: the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association, and I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director. And in this week's membership update, I want to remind everyone that the December edition of NSTA 64 hit your inboxes last week. Now, this edition contained plenty of great content. There were articles about the success of the NSTA advocacy efforts on Capitol Hill that resulted in the passage of the CERT Act, as well as our efforts before the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention to get school bus drivers classified as essential workers and made a priority class for the COVID-19 vaccine deployment in the state. Now, NSTA comes to you monthly, and if you'd like to advertise in it, please contact the NSCA office at info at Now, with us today at NSTA, the bus stop, is a familiar face. It's Rich Kelly founder of R.C. Kelly Law Associates, also NSTA council. So welcome to the NSTA, the bus stop, Rich. Hello, Kurt, and uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, delighted to be here. Great. Now, we've had you on a few times, but why don't you take a minute and refresh the memory of our listeners by
1: outlining R.C. Kelly Law Associates. Give us
0: some back- background on the firm.
1: Uh, sure, happy to do it. I Myself, uh, I've been involved in uh, school bus peripherally for over 20 years You know, starting out in uh, insurance circles and risk management, uh, primarily with Harleysville Insurance, our biggest trade segment was school bus contractors. So I kind of learned the business through that. And following that, worked with several law firms. So really, for more than a decade, we've been operating as R.C. Kelly Law Associates, specializing in helping school bus contractors with stuff like contract, human resource matters, buy-sell transactions, uh, and just the general school bus contractor business need. We are a family business. Uh, My wife works here. My daughter works here. My nieces work here. And uh, we understand what family businesses like school bus contractors need. We're general counsel to NSTA, as you know, and we're also counsel to several state school bus contractor associations. And, you know, we've been focused on the legal needs of school bus contractors across the country for, uh, like I said, over a decade. Yeah, that, and that's, that's great.
0: And, you know, obviously, you know, your background with, with school bus and NSTA has fostered a great relationship. One of those areas is that R.C. Kelly Law Associates is a royalty partner program member of NSTA, and you all offer the Business Council Program. So why don't you take a minute and explain, you know, how the BCP works?
1: Uh, I can, I can. In fact, it is the greatest member benefit ever. Uh, simply put, uh, our attorneys and our legal staff uh, are available to answer questions, provide advice and guidance. And this is unique for two reasons. Our attorneys understand school bus contracting. Uh, And there's no fee for NSGA members for basic consultations. So since you don't have to explain the basics of your business up front, we can provide help quickly and efficiently. In fact, we've likely handled the specific problem that, like yours, the one you're calling about, and we can offer a range of solutions just simply from the experience of working with so many school bus contractors. If something more intense is needed, we can be engaged to handle it directly, or we can even work with your regular business attorney who may be less familiar with the legal environment of school bus contracting, but is somebody that is one of your long-term trusted advisors. Uh, It's something that kind of evolved organically over the years, and it's become a mainstay of what we do with the uh, trade associations and the school bus contractors we work with. So listeners are clear,
0: this is a member benefit if you are an NSTA member. So if you're not an NSTA member, this business council program, and of course the other cadre of services NSTA offers it's the perfect time for you to join you know, within the uh, challenges of the pandemic. Now, I, I know the listeners realize this, but you've been on the front lines of some of the disputes that have arisen between school districts and their outsourced transportation providers. You know, over the last nine months, there've been so many moving parts, but maybe you can give us a thumbnail sketch as to how the landscape has evolved over
1: that period of time. Yeah, I can. And you know, School bus is unique and those that are in it know that better than anybody. You know, laws and contracts are absolutely important. But in my experience, disputes or resolutions of disputes are largely influenced by the people and the circumstances of the particular situation. You know, where are you in the contract term for the matter that you're handling? What's the level of empathy or callousness of the board or the administration? What's the availability or the lack of availability of alternate providers for the transportation service you're providing? And what's your own company's ability or desire to tolerate risk? or loss for a particular school customer. We've got a situation right now where some contractors are still seeking payments for COVID closure periods in the 2019-2020 school year. Many are seeking payments for those closure periods in the current 2020-2021 school year. Some are seeking both. Litigation has ensued for a lot of those if the dollars are large enough, And Injunctive relief is almost always a common component of those disputes because schools need consistent student transportation and contractors need to receive payment in order to pay and retain drivers. Now, that's inherent to those of us that are in the business. But that dynamic, that need, the danger of irreparable harm if drivers leave the industry and then school bus transportation is uh, stability is threatened, that's something that really needs to be explained to solicitors, uh, to courts, to those people that need to be educated in what we do every day in order to appreciate that something needs to be resolved and how it needs to be resolved. It's not just about dollars and cents. It's about stability of education.
0: Yeah. And those are such great points because, you know, oftentimes I think the stability of the student transportation system somewhat worked against it in that, you know, it was an environment where things happened without much thought occurring. So in other words, professionals were doing their jobs and getting to school, getting children to school on time. And now we have this pandemic that really, you know, turn things upside down. And I think that one of the challenges at the advent of the pandemic, you know, back in March and April, is that no one envisioned that we would go this long in an uncertain environment as we have. How do you think that's played into the relationships between districts and contractors?
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point because, you know, I was involved in helping a lot of contractors negotiate interim agreements back in March, April, even May. And, you know, initially it was the thought that we'd be out for a couple of weeks or, or okay, maybe we'll be out until the next, uh, you know, spring break or, or maybe, you know, I was shocked to see that the school year was going to be closed. So I think that it goes back to, again, those experiences and those individuals that are involved. I think that the relationships that weathered this storm well, in other words, if the contractor and the school found a way to make it all work and there's a little bit of mutual respect that's largely been carried forward into the current school year there have been many situations where a contractor served school district for 40 50 years you know multi generations things like that and they thought they were solid but You know, they ended up not getting paid or not being treated fairly. There's others too where it went the other way, uh, where there was no question, and it was pretty clear that the school understood the need to uh, retain drivers and fleet, and that was really, you know, really done. But like I said, it's been largely driven by people, and the better that the people involved can understand the dynamics and understand that it's not just about dollars and cents and profit, but about stability, I I think that that goes a long way to making the resolutions smooth and doable and sustainable.
0: yeah and that, that's really good, good insight, Rich. And as you know, we've talked about a, a lot of things online or offline with respect to you know contract provisions and things that have popped up. but uh, you know as you know as one of our recent business development committee calls, the issue of a clawback or clawback provisions came up. and I think some people may not be aware of these clauses. So can you take a moment to describe them and then how they can adversely affect contractors?
1: Yeah, and the clawback provisions you're talking about are would be provisions in an interim agreement that would provide that the payment made to the contractor could be clawed back, recovered by the school district, if there was a loss of funding or something of that sort at a future date. Now the clawback provisions on their own are not like wildly unusual. A lot of standard contracts have what I call funding interruption provisions. In other words, uh, you you take a multi-year contract, there's often a paragraph somewhere in it that says if the school's funding for transportation is disrupted or diminished in some way, typically it is an agreement that either the contract could be terminated or the parties could meet to renegotiate. But more often than not, those provisions don't really include the true clawback, meaning money given from the contractor back to the school. What what I saw in the April, May, June timeframe was that there was so much uncertainty. There were a lot of schools willing to make payments to retain drivers and fleet, but they were concerned that those payments might not be Approved for subsidization subsidies by the state, or might be criticized by a, a state auditor perhaps that was uh, you know looking critically at the payments, things like that. So there were many times where a school would offer a payment with the understanding that you know if this is something that uh, we need to recover at a future date, you know you're agreeing to do that. Now, for the clients that we handled, we typically would look to soften that language so that it wouldn't create harsh results. But there were a lot of contractors that either just needed, uh, really, to reach an agreement in order to stave off the destruction of their, uh, you know, the destruction of their business, uh, or they simply needed to, you know, make those arrangements and and stave off the emergency. So, you know, there's it's a tough situation. It's going to really fall on what did you agree to in the interim agreement or the contract that you put together, you know. So in that particular scenario, words do matter. They matter a lot, and uh, hopefully you had the foresight to really think about that before you signed a document. If not, it's not that all bets are off. You know, it, it can still be negotiated. It just makes it a lot tougher. Yeah,
0: you know, and that also leads us to the famous words from attorneys, it depends. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's really good for you to, to explain that in detail. And it kind of leads us in, into our final question. And that's we're looking to put together part three of school bus contracts post COVID-19. And this is going to be at the midwinter meeting. I'm going to give it a, a plug. 21st through 23rd at Safety Harbor, Florida. So Rich, you'll be one of the panelists the post COVID 19 part three program. But without giving away the store, can you give the listeners any insight about the program? Um,
1: yeah. In fact, I'm really looking forward to that because I probably haven't traveled for business since last February. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you there, uh, hopefully. But, uh, you know, we'll be doing a combination of an update on what's the environment and also on, you know, tactics and results and things like that. You know, we're watching a lot of different litigated matters, not only the ones that our firm is involved in, but even those that have been filed by by others. That we're we're seeing how tactics either work or don't work, and and how those things are being treated. So we'll give a rundown on uh, you know what we've seen, what if any new law has been uh, created that related to either the state statutes that were passed addressing COVID or even the federal statutes that address COVID. As you know, there was the new CERTs Act that was passed here uh, just this week. And uh, we'll be talking uh, about how that's rolling forward and how that's going to help out school bus contractors. And, uh, you know, we've got a great panel there. So it's not just me talking, it's school bus contractors that are living it from that perspective as well. And it should be a great program. Great. And, you know, before
0: we close, I do want to wish all of our listeners, a happy and healthy holiday season and, you know, much uh, good health and good fortune in the new year. As always, Rich, thanks for joining us at NSTA, the bus stop. We wish you and your family a very happy holiday season as well. Good health and prosperity in the new years. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you and happy holidays to all.